Do you not think that there are things which you cannot understand and yet which are? That some people see things that others cannot? But there are things all the new which must not be contemplated by men's eyes, because they know, or think they know, some things which other men have told them. It is the fault of our science that it wants to explain it all. This is a well-known quote from Bram Stoker's gothic horror novel, Dracula. Published in 1897, the novel paved the way for a prolific vampire subculture during the second half of the 20th century. Our interest in these bloodthirsty creatures has been kept alive during the 21st century as well, with movies and TV series such as Twilight, The Vampire Diaries and the originals getting our blood pumping. But why is it that Romania is so widely associated with Dracula and vampires? Are we really a nation of blood-drinking monsters? Or is there something more to this intriguing connection? Keep listening if you want to find out. My name is Andrea, and this is a Romanian twist. Over the years, Bram Stoker's Count Dracula has become widely associated with Romania, and there are two main reasons for this. The first one is location. In the beginning of Stoker's book, the character of Dracula is presented as living in a castle in the Carpathian Mountains in Transylvania. The second reason is the inspiration Bram Stoker took from a prominent real-life figure born in Transylvania in 1431. Enter the stage, Vlad III. Vlad III was the ruler of Wallachia, a historical and geographical region of Romania founded as a principality at the beginning of the 14th century. Vlad III rose to power after his father and older brother were killed. His father, Vlad II, was also known as Vlad Dracul, or Vlad the Dragon, due to his allegiance to a monarchic order called the Order of the Dragon. The order was founded by the King of Hungary, Sigismund of Luxembourg, and his wife and the main aim of this league was to fight against the Ottoman Empire and protect Christianity. Due to his father being a member of this order, Vlad III was also known by the name of Vlad Dracula, or Vlad Dracula, meaning Vlad the son of the dragon. In modern Romanian language, however, Drac has evolved to mean the devil, which translates Vlad II's name into Vlad the Devil and his son Vlad III is therefore Vlad Dracula, or Vlad the son of the devil. Now this sheds some light on the name choice of Bram Stoker's character. But was Vlad III really a blood-sucking vampire? No, he wasn't. But there is something equally unusual and creepy about him that he became famous for. In fact, one could say that reality is even more frightening than fiction in this case. Because Vlad III's favorite punishment method was impalement, a slow, agonizing process through which the victim's body is perforated by a stick or pole, which finally tears an exit through the shoulder, neck or throat of the victim. 
One of the most renowned stories of Vlad III's usage of impalement dates back to 1462. The actual story starts a year before, when the ruler refuses to pay the Ottoman Sultan Mehmed II the annual Herat, a tax neighboring lands had to pay to the Ottoman Empire. But Vlad III does not stop at refusing to pay. Of course not. He also had the two envoys sent by the Sultan killed and impaled. Naturally, the Ottoman Sultan was not happy with this. And the next year, in 1462, he gathered an army with the aim of conquering Wallachia and annexing it to his empire. However, nothing could have prepared the Ottoman leader for the horrifying view Vlad III had prepared for him. Mehmed was welcomed with the sight of a forest filled with more than 20,000 impaled Ottomans. Some accounts even mention how the tallest wooden stake in the forest had Hamza Pasha's impaled body on top of it. Hamza Pasha was the leader of the convoy sent to collect the annual tax the year before. I know what you're thinking. Yes, this means that Vlad Dracula had been stockpiling on those corpses for a year in preparation for the Sultan's arrival. In addition to showing the brutality of his punishments, all these stories have also earned Vlad III the nickname of Vlad the Impaler. A quite fitting name for the inspiration behind Stoker's Dracula, I would say. You see, Vlad III might not have been a real-life vampire, but he was just as vicious towards his enemies as the archetypal vampire depicted in books and movies. The story of Vlad III, or Vlad the Impaler, explains Romania's strong association with Dracula. In fact, this correlation has been an important part of Romanian tourism for a long time. Dracula tourism is an actual term used to describe the large variety of popular tourist attractions based around the stories of Dracula and Vlad the Impaler. These attractions include the Brand Castle, known by tourists as Dracula's Castle, and the city of Sigishwara where Vlad the Impaler was born. But the vampiric legacy doesn't end here. As a matter of fact, vampires have been part of a large number of cultures and mythologies, long before Bram Stoker popularized these frightening creatures. And the following stories are creepier than a guy impaling his enemies. According to many accounts, the word vampire was not used up until 1734. Despite this, the main characteristic of vampires, their thirst for human blood, has been associated with demons or the devil ever since ancient times. People in ancient Babylonia and Assyria had tales about a demon called Lilithu, who allegedly used to drink babies' blood. Greek mythology also had its own blood-sucking types of monsters, such as Empuse or Lamia. Despite these early mentions, vampires only started being widely acknowledged in many cultures during the 17th century. This was due to the large number of stories being spread at the time about people returning from the dead to attack the living. Stories coming mostly from, you know, Eastern Europe. 
The first story of this kind originated from a region called Istria, located in modern-day Croatia. The story revolves around a man called Juri Grando, who died in 1656, but used to return to his village during the night to terrorize the other inhabitants. According to the legend, for the next 16 years following his death, Grando would knock on people's doors at night. Not freaked out yet? Don't worry, there is more to come, as the knocks were actually warnings for the people living in their respective homes. Because following each knocking incident, a person living in the house chosen by Grando would die within the next few days. In order to stop the terror caused by the vampire, a group of villagers tried to kill him by stabbing him in the chest with a stick. The attempt was unsuccessful as the stick simply bounced off Grando's chest. As a result, the following night the villagers dug up his body instead, only to find the perfectly preserved body of Grando with a big smile on his face. Seeing this, one of the villagers allegedly sawed Grendel's head, who let out a scream as blood started to flow from his wound. According to the story, this action put an end to the horrors endured by the villagers of Istria. Now let's go back to Bram Stoker's book, which made Transylvania and Romania synonymous with the land of vampires. Given its incredibly important contribution to this literary genre, it comes as no surprise that critics have dedicated a lot of time to the analysis of this novel. But what is it so special about the novel that made it stand the test of time? Well, a number of critics have interpreted the book as an exploration of anxiety towards the changes brought about by multiculturalism. After all, the character in Stoker's novel is a Transylvanian who ends up moving to London only to torment the residents and drink their blood. Other interpreters have seen Dracula's story as representing the battle between past and future, between tradition and modernity, between what we know and what is yet to be explored. While I'm not going to reveal further details from the novel to complete this argument, you know, in case you might want to read it at some point, it is not hard to see how critics have turned to the clash between the security of what we know and the fear of the unexplainable to explore Dracula. Because if there is one thing that one can take away from Stoker's novel, is the fact that humans have always been afraid of the unknown. And vampires have become, over time, a great way of explaining the unexplainable. Nowadays, many historians, backed by science, agree that during the centuries when vampire stories became so widely spread, medical knowledge was not something that could be used to inform people. Without an understanding of contagious diseases, and in need of an explanation, people naturally turned to vampires as a logical reason for the sudden deaths of members of the same community. Over the decades, Rabies, tuberculosis, and even porphyria have been linked with the spread of vampiric mythology. But if medical science has made things so clear, why is it that we are still so obsessed with vampires in the 21st century? Maybe it is only human to find mysterious creatures so appealing. 
Or maybe vampires are a great way through which we can deal with our own fear of mortality. Because fear of death is fear of the unknown. And isn't this what we all fear the most?